Hello and welcome to the commentary for lesson 375, Isaiah chapter 1. So in the last lesson, we learned about Samaria being conquered by Assyria. And Isaiah had warned the people of Samaria, and that is the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, and of course, obviously, they didn't pay attention. They didn't listen to his warning. They didn't heed the warning, and they got conquered. Uh, scripture says they were they will be injured, trapped, and captured. That's what was Isaiah's warning to them, and of course, that is exactly what happened. So that was the northern kingdom. And now in this scripture today, we come to Isaiah warning the southern kingdom of Judah that they will have the same fate if they follow after the northern kingdom. Now, to this point, the northern kingdom had had bad king after bad king after bad king. And so their culture was getting progressively more and more wicked as time went by. Judah, however, had some good kings. Um, they had some bad kings too, but there were enough good kings to kind of keep them from destruction at the same time as the northern kingdom. However, um, unfortunately, eventually they too fell away from God. I'm going to read from my study Bible something. It says, after seeing their brothers and sisters carried away into exile, the people of Judah still lapsed into sin. Hezekiah and Josiah begin many reforms. Those were the good kings. But this is not enough to prematurely turn the nation back to God. Ultimately, Judah would be defeated by the Babylonians who exile many of them, but they are not scattered and the land is not repopulated. Sometimes we do not learn from the examples of sin and foolishness around us. So again, that was from my study Bible. I think that says it perfectly that they just, you know, they saw the trouble that came to the Northern Kingdom and they just didn't even learn. Sometimes, you know, we should learn from watching those around us make the mistakes and receive the punishment. But they didn't. So this message is from Isaiah warning them of what is to come. I think the most interesting parts that stood out to me were verses 11 through 17, where it talks about God basically rejecting their sacrifices. Verse 11 says, What makes you think I want all your sacrifices, says the Lord? Well, we do know that back in Deuteronomy and Leviticus that all of those things were required by God. He wanted those. Um, and so this isn't saying that he no longer wants them. What it's saying is, if you go to, to verse 13, it says, Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgust me. Why does it disgust him? They're still having all the celebrations. They're still having the festival of tents. They're still doing all of the things they always did. But sometimes those religious acts... Those rituals that we do are meaningless if we are insincere. They're not being sincere. They are unfaithful to God in their hearts. And he knows that. No amount of rituals and celebrations and customs that we honor will cover an unfaithful heart. Right? So, so God knows that. And that's what he cares most about. 
Verse 15 says, when you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen. For your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. Wash yourself and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. This tells us this is why he won't hear their prayers. Sometimes we feel separated from God and it's not because he's not paying attention. It's because literally our sins have separated us from God. I like when it says in verse 18, come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, meaning bright red, meaning obvious, the evidence is all over you. You cannot hide your sin. Remember, there's no secret sin. Okay, anyways, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. If you will only obey me, you will have plenty to eat. He wants to make us white as snow. He wants to give us that clean, pure heart. All we have to do is obey him. But if you turn away and refuse to listen, you will be devoured by the sword of your enemies. I, the Lord, have spoken. Okay, um, when we go to Isaiah verses 21 to 31, it says unfaithful Jerusalem. So you start to think, well, wait a minute, we were just talking about Judah and now we're talking about Jerusalem and Jerusalem is in the northern kingdom. However, sometimes the word Jerusalem was an all-inclusive word representing all of the northern and southern kingdoms, right? So, but in this case, according to my study Bible, when it says Jerusalem, it's, it's talking still about Judah. Okay, there is a curious word here. Verse 22 says, Once like pure silver, you have become like worthless slag. What is slag? Well, I looked that up, and here's what I found. God promised to refine his people similar to the way that metal is purged with lye in a smelting pot. This process involves melting the metal and skimming off the impure slag until the worker can see his own image in the liquid metal. We must be willing to submit to God, allowing him to remove our sin so that we might reflect his image. What a perfect metaphor, right? God always gives metaphors. He always gives his warning. He always puts it in a way that the people can understand. So they understood the process of liquefying silver to purify it right? And the slag was the junk that rises to the top that they, that they push aside. If you jump down to verse 25, it says, I will raise my fist against you. I will melt you down and skim off your slag. I will remove all your impurities. So unfortunately, in order to remove the impurities, God had to raise his fist against his people to do that. Sometimes we have to go through hard things to get refined, right? Unfortunately, yes. Verse 26, we finally hear a sigh of relief here and a hope. Then I will give you good judges again and wise counselors like you used to have. Then Jerusalem will again be called the home of justice and the faithful city. Verse 27, Zion will be restored by justice. Those who repent will be revived by righteousness, but rebels and sinners will be completely destroyed. Makes sense to me. I don't know about you. Um, God has given ample warnings. So as long as the people of Judah continue to sin, they're cutting themselves off from God. 
and they isolate themselves from him. So they no longer get his protection. They no longer get answer to their prayers. That should be a warning to us. I think the main takeaway for this is our outward expressions of worship to God and our religious ceremonies. Are we counting on those things to get us closer to God? Are we counting on those ritualistic prayers and treating God like a wishing well? Like, God, this is my request. I'm just going to go through the motions and I expect that you will um, heal my sick grandma or, or whatever, it, whatever the request is, right? But God does not take pleasure in our outward expressions if our inward faith is missing. And that's from my study Bible. And it refers us to Psalm 51 verses 16 through 19. And I want to share that to you because this kind of brings it to light really well. I love the way David writes this. He's speaking of God, of course. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Now, quickly, I want to say, what what does it mean by a broken spirit and a contrite heart? We think of a broken spirit as maybe a parent breaking the spirit of their child by saying, oh, you're not good enough, or you can't do that, or, you know, ripping away their dreams. But what this is saying, I think it's referring more to a change of heart from selfishness to selflessness, um, to putting your own needs and desires aside and chasing after what pleases God. A contrite heart means caused by or showing sincere remorse, filled with a sense of guilt and the desire for atonement. So what David is saying here. Let me read it again. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. He's saying you do not delight in sacrifice. What you want is my heart. What you want is for me to put selfish things aside and desire you more. Um, And then to go on in the Psalms, May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. So there we see, um, and that's beautifully described in the psalm. Uh, Again, that was 51, verses 16 through 19. It's not that... The sacrifices are no longer welcomed by God. It's not that their rituals were evil. It was that they were insincere. And God knows it. We can't fool him going through the motions. That's not going to cut it. So I think that um, that's really a good place to stop there. Just a self-reflection on, you know, the things that you do every day, the way that you bring yourself before God. Are you being sincere? And if not... How do you fix that? Has our faith become impure or watered down? If we want to fix that, if, if, we, if we think about that honestly and we can say, I think it has, then you can ask God to restore you and keep your devotion to him strong and pure. Say, God, I am going through the motions, but I just am not feeling it right now. Be honest. He knows anyways. 
right? So just as my mom told me, she she asked God for the desire to to read his word, to to want to read his word. He answered that prayer and she desired it like water. She needed it like water. I remembered that. I remembered those words. And later in life, I did the same. I wanted to want and need to read the words of scripture. But I honestly didn't. And I knew I didn't. But we can ask for that desire. We can ask for that wholeness. We can ask for this to become more meaningful to us. That um, we will not be insincere. And he will give it to us. He wants to give us the desires of our heart. But that doesn't mean every selfish desire of our heart. That means the desires of our heart that are seeking him. Those are the ones he gives us. That's how we get our prayers answered. When our prayers align with him. So... That's really it for today. I hope you all have a great day and I will talk to you soon.